You better lose yourself in the music the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Yo. Okay. So rap is obviously not my thing. But that song, that's my jam. There's not much in Eminem's art that I condone. But that song, that movie, it comes from 8 Mile. Those are significant parts of my young adult experience. The movie is the story of Rabbit, a white dude rapper struggling to find his way in Detroit, the wrong part of Detroit. He's got big dreams, significant rap skills, but he's stuck with dead-end jobs, dead-end relationships, a dead-end attitude. He sees other less talented rappers get their lucky breaks to get their music on the radio, but it never seems to happen for him. He looks all around to the gangster life that's everywhere, but he sees the danger and the futility of that path. He tries to break into the local rap battles that offer status and belonging, but that find, he finds that to be empty as well. In the end, Rabbit wins the ultimate rap battle. He humiliates the leader of the gang, but then he walks away from it all. He finally understands that his path is to go back to his job, to take on extra shifts at the car factory, to take care of his daughter, to keep his head down and his nose clean while he saves up to pay for the things that he needs to make his music career a reality. The slow way. Rabbit does lose himself in the moment, but he discovers that the all-important moment is always the next one. It's the one right in front of him. That's a well-accepted and powerful message in our culture. Cut the distractions, quit looking for shortcuts, stay disciplined. Success doesn't just happen. You gotta want it enough to put your head down and do the hard work every day. Grind it out, lose yourself. That's a core value of my generation. Figure out what you want, and give yourself wholly to that pursuit. You can do anything to which you are willing to devote yourself completely. Just do it. Follow your passion. That's the route to happiness. Like the movie, I had to figure out that passion wasn't necessarily about a single moment or a feeling of intense desire for something. It wasn't about chasing a specific goal like the trophies and titles of my favorite athletes. For me, passion wasn't even about being certain of a particular calling or pursuing the things that spark joy like the more ordinary heroes around me. For me, my passion has mostly been about practical choices, deep commitments. I value my marriage and my family, so I have built my life with those things at the center. I care deeply about a particular vision of community, and so my career keeps circling around churches that share that vision in different ways. I wouldn't usually describe myself as passionate about my family or my work as a pastor. I don't wake up every morning just burning to, with desire for sermon writing and packing lunches, but that's what I've built my life around. That is a display of passion. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime, yo. During Lent, the word passion 
takes on a different inflection. The passion of the Christ has long referred to Jesus' journey to the cross, the suffering and torture that he endured on Good Friday. The word passion comes from the Latin passio, suffering. In Latin translations of the New Testament, as early as the second century, passio was used to describe the suffering of Jesus to the point where that became the shorthand for all of the events of Good Friday, just simply the passion. The Latin word has a sense of suffering as compulsion, something that's forced on you, driving you towards something as Jesus was compelled towards the cross. It's chosen, but it's also inevitable. As Passio moved from Latin to French to English over the centuries, it broadened out to be more about intensity of all kinds. But that element of compulsion and drive remains. Even passion in the positive romantic sense still has that rough edge of desire, of longing and aching for that good thing that somehow always remains just out of reach. All of that is what swirls up for me when I read today's scripture text from the Gospel of Mark. If you wish to come after me, you must deny your very self, take up your cross, and follow in my footsteps. If you would save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. What would you gain if you were to win the whole world, but lose yourself in the process? What can you offer in exchange for your soul? Familiar words to many of us, and quite provocative. This translation sends the challenge directly at you. You must deny yourself. If you would save your life, you will lose it. What can you offer in exchange for your soul? Mark's record of the Greek language is less direct. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow in my footsteps. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake, he will save it. For what does it profit a man to to win the whole world, but lose his soul in the process? What shall a man offer in exchange for his soul? So I guess the women and non-binary folks are off the hook then, hey? Of course, this is not a gendered thing at all, just the problematic language assumption using man as shorthand for person. But I think there's something significant about Jesus' choice of language here. In many of his teachings, Jesus had that annoying celebrity habit of referring to himself in the third person. The son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected and be killed and after three days rise again. Son of man, he called himself. A callback to a Hebrew Bible description of the Messiah, making clear to his students that Messiah was the role that Jesus intended to fill. And at the same time, it's a nod to his own humanity. Jesus was fully human, son of man, as a child's DNA is fully from their parents. With that fresh in the ears of those who were listening, Jesus brings back that man language, again playing with the personal and the universal. If anyone wishes to come after me, 
Let them deny the self. Take up their cross and follow. What does it profit a human to gain the whole world but lose the self? This is what it means to be fully human, to do as the Son of Man does. And so this is a challenge for everyone. It's posed as a question to some, if anyone wants to follow, but the context says that this is the path for everyone, the path of true life, the fully human one. It's not an optional package for those who want to choose it. It's not extra credit for the super keen or an add-on for those who want to get into the platinum club in heaven. This is the choice that we all face. What shall a human offer in exchange for their soul? What will be your passion? What are you willing to give your life to, to suffer for? As Bob Dylan put it, you gotta serve somebody. That is universal. And it's also personal. Jesus is one of the anyones he's talking about. Jesus is the man in the process of making that choice of who he will serve. Jesus is not a general sending out their troops onto the front lines of battle without them, not an authoritarian leader rhetorically calling for sacrifices they're not willing to make themselves. Jesus is going first in this passion play. Let's not miss that part. This is indeed a call to action for all of us. But first, this is explanation of Jesus' own passion. He has just announced that he knows exactly where this road is going. He's about to be rejected by the spiritual leaders of his people. His politics will threaten the establishment. and He will suffer and be killed as a result. He will be rejected even by those he serves. Jesus knows this, and this is the suffering, the passion that Jesus is walking towards. He is actively taking on and living out this sacrifice, this cross, quite literally, in his own death. Our Lent series this week is inviting us into the deep woods, reminding us that the journey is rarely simple and straightforward, but sometimes brings confusion and backtracking, wandering, lost in the woods. Throughout this season of Lent, a reminder of how God meets us in that journey is through the ritual of communion that is the centerpiece of our services. If you have a bit of bread and juice or whatever you happen to have with you, now's the time to get that close by. And if not, please do join in with the ritual in your imagination or in whatever way you are able. As I said in the first part of the sermon, today's scripture is a call to action and commitment for all of us to learn to lay down our lives in service. But first, let's take some time to sit with the awareness that Jesus has led the way. He has carried the cross, has laid down his life. This is something that can be done, for Jesus has done it. Why? for the good of creation, for the love of the world, for the love of you and me. We are Jesus' passion, together with all the cosmos. Pray with me the prayer of confession and assurance. We have heard that you are present in the depths 
and we have followed your trail to this place. Our Savior, human one, lead us on. We confess our confusion over your teachings. We confess the urge to reject your way, to seek comfort and security, to hold on to our lives rather than releasing them. Our fears are great and our resolve is weak. And yet, here we are, deep in the woods, searching for what you have to show us. Hear our call and answer us from the depths of your unfailing love. Family of God, on the night before Jesus was crucified, he shared a meal together with his friends. During that meal, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he blessed it and broke it and shared it among them. Creator, maker of bread, we are grateful for the bread of life that you offer to us. We're grateful for Jesus, God with us, the reassurance that matter matters, that this life is so worthwhile. And we are grateful for your passion, your brokenness on our behalf, making the way for us to follow. Amen. This bread, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat and remember. That same night, Jesus also took a cup of wine, and when he had given thanks again, he shared it with all of them. Wounded Savior, thank you for the gift of your life that flows through us. May it nourish us, revitalize us, as we recommit ourselves to your way of life beyond life. As we receive, may we also give. Amen. This cup is the blood of the new covenant, Jesus said. This is my blood poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink in remembrance of me. Amen. So then, knowing that Jesus is not asking any more of us than he did of himself, and knowing that this passion is actually the way to the fullness of life, and knowing that we do not walk this path alone, what exactly is Jesus calling us to do and be? What is the cross that you are meant to take up? How do you lose your life in order to save it? For better or for worse, there have been many different answers to that in the Christian tradition over the years. There is, first of all, the literal cross of Jesus, 
the actual intentional sacrifice of his life for the greater good. Following right behind that is again the literal suffering and death of almost all the disciples that Jesus was speaking to that day. They did choose to follow in his footsteps and they also were imprisoned and killed by the Romans because of their religion and politics. Many, many Christians over the centuries have, ta have taken this as a call to true martyrdom. Some still do. Biblical scholars point out that Jesus made this statement in the context of a rebuke to the Jewish religious leaders who he saw as selling out to Rome or their po own political ambitions. In that context, this text can be read as an invitation to Israel to shift their focus from a political to a spiritual reality. There is more to a people than preservation of a nation. There is more to religion than a temple, more to life than survival. Similarly, for many in the early church and across the Christian timeline, this has been a call to stop trying for upward mobility, to embrace suffering and pain in solidarity with those on the bottom. An upside-down kingdom where joy comes through giving and poverty with compassion and integrity is better than wealth and power gained through oppression and callousness. Our Anabaptist ancestors saw this text as a call to nonviolence. You fans of the Schleitheim Confession will remember that this text was referenced as a rejection of the coercive power of the sword. Don't take up the sword to defend yourself or force your ways onto someone else, but instead take up the cross of Jesus. Better to be killed than to kill. Better to be injured than to cause injury to someone else. That hasn't always been the case. In times and places where Christianity has been the dominant religious and political power, um, times of safety and freedom for Christians, this text is often interpreted through the lens of individual faith. Follow your convictions. Put Christ at the center of your life. Give God control over your decision-making. Trust and obey no matter what it costs you. This call has also led to some to embrace risks in the name of faith, like missionaries sent into unstable or hostile regions, or teenagers encouraged to risk social standing to talk about Jesus to their friends. Slight difference in scale, but I spent my teenage years in a rather safe bubble where there was not much risk-taking or cross-carrying to be had. Or some read this as a call to self-denial and self-discipline, from the strict rules of the priesthood and monasteries, to personal choices of abstinence and asceticism, to the mystical paradox of finding satisfaction by letting go of desire. And then there's the commitment and dedication to a single-minded pursuit, like the mindset of follow your passion that I described earlier. Which of these is the right interpretation for you? I can't say. As I said, they've all been followed at various times with various results. To pick up the lost in the woods metaphor from the theme of this service, there are many paths running through this forest. 
All of them have been traveled before. That's how they got there, how they are, the path is worn into the woods. All of them lead somewhere. The choice is yours. Which path is yours to take in this moment is for you to work out. Blessings as you lose yourself in the journey. Amen.